Hey guys, welcome back to the NK Pod. We got a very special guest here today, all the way from Indiana. His name is Brian Evans, and he's gonna be talking about his veteran nonprofit organization called InVets. I think this is one of the most important things that we can do on the NK Pod and putting it all over the best we can all over the internet. Yeah, definitely. Hey, and Brian, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on today and spending your time with us. I've heard a lot about you uh, from Kevin. I've done a little research, too, on uh, what the organization is about. However, this is going to be a very informative uh, episode for me and learning more uh, from you about what InVets is all about and learning more about you as well. So I'm super stoked about this. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Definitely excited to be on the pod. Uh, Kevin? Great to see you again, brother. Hey, it's been a it's, while. It has been too long, man. Yeah. Been too Nick, long. awesome to meet you. Yes, Definitely sir. Definitely excited to talk to you today. Yes, sir. Always a good time talking to Marines. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> always bring in a different perspective that not a lot of people talk about. And every yeah. Marine comes in with a completely different story behind what they did. Because everyone thinks the Marines and stuff or the Army, they just kind of go into, like, everyone does the same thing. Yeah. And it's drastically different as we're about to hear what brian did that Mm -hmm. no one got to do yeah so so brian uh i know like i said kevin's told me you know a little about about some of y'all's experiences but you know aside from invets can you kind of just tell me a little bit about yourself your military experience um maybe some stuff you did in there kind of leading up to where you are now yeah so i was born and raised in a small town in indiana and before I joined the uh, Marine Corps, I was actually a ranch hand on a horse ranch. So I was, oh, cool. you know, wow. got, got some good outdoor time, got to experience what it's like to breed and uh, work with horses. And then uh, 2013, I joined the Marine Corps. Um, funny story, I didn't know what I wanted to do in the Marine Corps. And I kind of got, um, I landed infantry as my job. Uh, because I did not do great on my ASVAB. <laughs> and so it was funny because I, I didn't know um, how much the ASVAB actually affected. And my recruiter was like, hey, man, you like, or when, it, when he looked at my results and he was like, hey, uh, you didn't do great, but you could still join. I was like, cool. And he's like, I was like, what can I do? And he's like, well, you like camping. You can pack sandbags if you want. <laughs> You're going to he's, Iraq. He's like, he's, he's <laughs> like you, you like camping? I was like, I love camping. He's like, you love hunting? I was like, oh, I love hunting. He's like, You're going to love Do you being. like hiking? <laughs> uh, I could try it. Hike <laughs> <laughs> me up. This is the best thing ever. Uh, but that wasn't my experience at all because I, you know, I got really lucky. Um, I got stationed after, you know, boot camp, uh, infantry school in California. Uh, I got sent to DC, a very small. A group of us out of the entire platoon got sent to DC. It was like a class of 110 of us got selected. And we didn't know what we were getting into. I had no idea what I was about to do. Uh, I didn't know there was even a, a base in DC. Uh, the Marine Barracks 8th and I uh, established in, um, was it? Eight, 1801. 1801. <laughs> so really, it was, I really yeah, only remember was, that because of a salute. There was like this weird thing. <laughs> Well, everyone would whisper too. It was 1801. And they would like, salute oh, back as they whispered, like staff NCOs would whisper to each other, 1801. As they pass, and it's like so freaking weird. But <laughs> really, but yeah, the, the area was scouted out by Thomas Jefferson. And it, it was a strategic place to put the Marines because it was right next to the Navy Yard, which was a major port that they wanted protected. But they also wanted them to be within marching distance to protect the capital. So, you know, you'll see military bases all over the country, which are these massive 
massive bases that are basically small towns and cities that are gated. But the barracks is this, this open barracks um, that has, you know, a couple guards standing at the doors, but it's not really a gated facility. Um, so you're just integrated right there in the middle of the city. So it's a really unique place. It's the first training grounds of the Marine Corps. Uh, a lot of history, um, beautiful place, and it, it's a unique duty assignment because um, you do a lot of different things. One of the things that uh, uh, we did was the firing party. So that 21 gun salute that you see in Arlington Cemetery, uh, I, I had the opportunity of being a part of that and then leading um, that team. Uh, conducted over 300 ceremonies at Arlington. And then the other thing, special thing that we did was the dignified transfers at Dover Air Base. So Marines who are fallen um, in active training or in combat and their bodies are transported back to the States. They all go to Dover Air Base in a balloon casket with a flag draped over. You've probably seen the, the images of like the, the plane with all the caskets in it. Um, so our job was to um, give them that proper respect of carrying them off the plane, um, loading them into the truck there for Dover in front of the family so the families could see them one last time. Um, and then they would be sent to the Dover, uh, uh, I forget what the proper name is, but the mor uh, mortuary where they would prep the bodies and send them home if they're going to do services back at their hometowns or in Arlington. Awesome. So it was a very unique uh, experience in the Marine Corps. When <clears throat> I've been to uh, DC once, and I while I was there, I did go to Arlington Cemetery, and it was for a Memorial Day weekend. So of course, it was a pretty cool weekend <laughs> in DC. Yeah, Packed but I was sure I was Packed. surprised. I went up there like, oh, I'm from Texas, you know. You know, when we were going up there, like, oh, it's gonna be hot. Make sure you drink a lot of water. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, I'm from Texas. No big deal. I was surprised at how, how hot it was at Arlington mm. Cemetery that day, and I felt I felt so bad for the um, uh, for the guards that were standing duty, you know, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I was about to pass out just wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I can imagine the. I, I mean, how's that work for y'all? I mean, you say you did over three hundred, you know, ceremonies. You, you just don't pass out. You just don't pass out. Like if you have if you have any out. respect in your body, you won't yeah. pass out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was uh, even the weather, because even the winter times, I mean, it could get, you know, in the negatives. Uh, but we, Kevin will tell you, we had a, a phenomenal platoon sergeant, and no matter how cold it was, and everyone's, you know, it, it, I think the one funeral was like negative 12, guys' nose were bleeding, and their ears were bleeding because it was so cold, and everyone's kind of going internal, and we had I'm a talking about the sergeant major of the Marine Corps changeover at EWO. Yeah, well, remember Sergeant Pat and his glorious wisdom, but he uh, didn't show that he was cold. And while everyone else was going internal before the ceremony started, he would just turn around and be like, well, do you think the Marines in Korea were cold? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so everyone was sort of like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> wow. I guarantee you they were complaining as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, let's be honest, even, even the military in the Revolutionary War, everyone, everyone was complaining about their conditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a lot, definitely a lot of respect, though, um, especially after seeing that for the for the guys that do those ceremonies. So that's really a really neat. We would have to sure. like what like hand wash the insides of our dress blue stuff, like because we we sweat, sweat in it so much, we, it would start to salt stain. Wow. And so, and your the brims of your hats that are normally white would start to turn a little bit yellow. So we had to get Clorox pins, little things like that. We had to put tape 
to tape it to your head because it sweat uh, right off. If it's wet, yeah, it would slide right off because of sweat. Sometimes you're sweating so much that the tape doesn't do anything for you. It'll just rock around and slide around, and if it falls off, it falls off. <laughs> but you just got to keep going. Yeah, and, so, and so for firing party, because usually, because um, there's different levels of like uh, funerals between having just the basics with like the firing party and the body bearers where they fold the flag to, you know, a full general grade funeral where they have either, a, you know, a platoon, a company or the entire battalion. So there's different levels depending on who that individual was. But for firing party, you're out there more than anybody else with the body bearers because, you know, it doesn't matter how low level that individual was, you're always going to have a firing party there to render that 21 gun salute. So you'd be out there, you know, all day long, just doing funeral after funeral after funeral. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your White House detail after you're done. So you got out of the Marine Corps and you just picked up a job at the White House? <laughs> you just, what, did you so, ask their hiring or what, what's the deal there? I got ungodly lucky um, just between, you know, just having a good reputation between the Dover and the firing party. Um, you know, I, our battalion commander at the time asked me what I was doing when I was getting out because he knew I was getting out. Um, you know, we had briefly talked about the possibility of a visa package, um, being able to become an officer, uh, where you get to basically get paid to go to school and then go to officer candidate school and do training. Mm -hmm. uh, but my wife is from Germany, so having a foreign wife and you know, doing all this training and then deployments, you know, I didn't want to leave her in a country where she has no family by herself for long periods right. of time. So we, we both agreed that getting out was the best idea. Um, just didn't know what we wanted to do. And we both agreed that we wanted to stay in DC because we really liked DC. So I was just trying to figure out what we were going to do. Uh, Capitol Police was my um, first choice, my kind of go-to, because uh, they were always hiring and then the starting you know, salary just for their training was like $50,000 a year, which was at the time for, any young, you know, Lance Corporal, Corporal or Sergeant, you're like, oh yeah, 50 grand, like sign me up. Let's um, go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had made a side comment when he asked me what I was going to do, and I was like, well, I want to work for the, you know, if I could work for the federal government or try something new, I definitely appreciate it, um, and I'd be open to it. And I just kind of made a joke, I'm like, I'd like to work at the White House, and he was like, okay. And then I found out that that night he had dinner with the gentleman who runs the White House military office, they're good friends, and he was a former Marine officer, and he was telling him about me, he was like, oh, I got this you know, young corporal here, um, telling him all the stuff that I did, and he was interested in me, um, so he, the battalion commander came back that Monday and said, hey, send, send him your, he gave me his email and said, hey, send him your resume, so I sent him a resume, uh, had the other officers in the, uh, in, in the office helped me build a resume because I've never built one before. Mm -hmm. and we pulled the one together within a couple hours, sent it over my resume, and they scheduled an interview. And then uh, I remember getting the call for the interview. I didn't think, you know, it was real. And then I, I remember walking into the White House. So you go up to the gate, um, you know, Secret Service checking you in. I'm like, there's no way they're calling me in. Uh, <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm walking up to the White House, and I entered the um, diplomatic reception room, which is this glorious room. There's a front desk with the Secret Service in there, uh, old paintings on the wall. Um, you see a lot of former fir like First Ladies paintings everywhere, furniture, you know, that classical uh, colonial era furniture. And I remember just sitting there, and they're like, oh, yeah, your, your escort will be down in a minute. And I remember just sitting in there. 
and I didn't sit all the way back in the chair. I just sat on the edge of the chair, trying not to wrinkle my suit. And I remember just looking around, I'm like, I do not belong here. <laughs> I do not belong <laughs> I was like, who am I fooling? And then, you know, they, they took me up to the east wing of the White House with the top floor, uh, entered his office, and we had like about a three-hour interview. And wow. The beginning of it was kind of a little bit about him just grilling me, like, who do you think you are kind of deal. It's like, you know, people who work here, you know, have – X amount of years in the federal government, they specialize in this policy. Like, what makes you think that you, you know, you're going to be able to contribute essentially? And then they, he grilled me about not going to become an officer or why I wouldn't want to be an officer and stay in the Marine Corps. And then it quickly turned into him just getting to know me. Um, and I guess I made a good impression because then he sent a recommendation to some other department heads. And then the, um, uh, the person I was in charge of presidential correspondence, um, she called me up and uh, got, you know, got my resume and recommendation and asked for an interview. And her interview was a lot better, <laughs> super friendly. Um, you know, she was just getting to know me and trying to figure out. Uh, her, her, her father actually flew Marine One back in the day. So she wow. was well aware of the Marine Corps, just kind of the, the training you get with the Marine Corps. And she was looking for somebody who could manage a large operation and be able to kind of move people to get an, you know a collective objective you know finished so that's what she was looking for and, and i had that experience with them you know with the marine corps especially the barracks um, just that small unit leadership and just being able to pull people together uh to accomplish something so you know it, it worked out and it was i i remember when she offered me the job where she's like oh what do you want to so like yeah we, we, we want to hire you do you want to talk to everyone with your wife I'm like no she's gonna say yes let's uh, let's go start <laughs> and i remember walking out of there just in disbelief it's like you know a small town kid from indiana you know i was not a great student i was shoveling poop out of horse stalls and joined the marine corps in the infantry with a low ASVAB score and next thing you know i'm i'm about to manage an office at the white house so it was it was, it was pretty cool. It was life-changing. Yeah, that, that, that's super cool. Uh, what, what year was it that you started there? Uh, 2017. 2017? Okay, so that's right when the new administration took over. Okay. Yep. I bet that was a very interesting time in there then at the start yeah. of the brand I mean, new administration. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, it's not, as, it's not as crazy as people think. You know, it's not as, you know, different. I mean, we work side by side with you when you're a political appointee versus a career, you, you work side by side with people that have been there forever. Like one lady in our office has been there since four was in office. And so she's seen every administration. She's seen wow. everything. You know, there's nothing that she couldn't oh, tell man. you. And one thing she shared with me is like, they're all the same. I mean, it, it, in the inside of it, it's all the same. So, you know, they always hire young people because the hours are long. The pay is terrible. Surprisingly, you don't get paid a lot when you work at the White House unless you're like the top department head. Um, so you get a lot of young professionals working there, um, and it's it's like that with every administration. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and then the, so you leave the White House to decide to take on, I don't know, I would say bigger and better things, but <laughs> but like, well, like yeah, I mean, that. It was like a, statewide initiatives, I would say. So yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what made yeah, you so, uh, decide to go back home to Indiana and tell us a lot what you're doing now? So last year. Actually, um, my wife and I, you know, we, we found out that we were expecting our first child and we realized that raising kids in DC is probably not the best. Um, it's so expensive. Um, and, you know, we kind of wanted just a, a more relaxed environment to raise a family. 
yeah. as much as we love DC, I mean, we can't wait to go back. Um, but we decided to pick up and leave in 2019. And I will say that's kind of when the, the train, like my transition happened because, you know, going from the Marine Corps to the White House, I had a one day break. So there was really no transition. And I was so focused that, you know, I, I didn't even think of the fact that I was out of the military. But then moving to Indiana, I, you know, I almost went three months without being able to find a job and I was applying places left and right, but I had no network established. Um, and I, I was naive thinking that, oh, I could find a job in no time with the Marine Corps and the White House on my resume. There's no way no one's going to hire me. And I just got rejection after rejection after rejection. And, and that's completely scared. natural to think that, though. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, now that I look at it. You have an astounding uh, military resume, and then you get out. It's like, I can, all, all I need to do is, like, just get the certifications checked off, and I can pretty much work anywhere. And a lot of people think that. Yeah. And you can't even, and now you can't even get, not you. I'm just saying, it's hard getting a Walmart greeter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Which before I worked for the uh, the horse ranch, I actually applied to Walmart. I I, I got rejected. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> they probably <laughs> thought they probably thought you were overqualified. It's probably why. Well, I was fresh out of high school. Like there 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 was oh, okay. oh. not after. Oh, I misunderstood after, you. After, before I, thought, I worked for the horse ranch, before the Marine Corps, I applied oh, to Walmart. And got okay, rejected. I thought you said after you left DC. I was like, are you serious? So that's great. Well, I will say there was there was like you know those kind of like. Um, uh, those jobs where you, it's insurance company and you're selling insurance, basically an insurance salesperson. I had a couple of those that never called me back, which I was like my last resort. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, funny story. I've actually sold insurance before. Uh, uh, I was actually uh, wanting to go in the Marine Corps. And my, my dad, he served in the Marine Corps. He really wanted me to go a different path than he did. And he really like pushed really hard um, for it. So one of the things he wanted me to do um, he really pushed me to, cause he has his insurance license. And, uh, so I did that for a little bit. Uh, it was cool, you know, but you know, it was, it wasn't for me. So now I moved into the course of the career I'm in and, and everything and it's been great, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a unique field. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I was, I got really lucky though, because it was actually the executive director of InVets, um, a friend of a friend said, Hey, you know, you, you need to contact this guy. He's, you know, former army sniper. He started this organization for helping veterans find jobs. Like you need to contact him. And so I called him up and within a couple of weeks, he had me, you know, in front of a, a person looking for um, someone to fill a role at a nonprofit called Connexus Indiana, where they focus on economic development, workforce development for Indiana's manufacturing industry, uh, which makes up one third of Indiana's economy. So it's really important that, you know, those companies are stay here and they're happy. Uh, but yeah, so within a couple of weeks, he was able to help me. Nice. Well, let's talk about it. what do y'all do at InVets? Yeah, so uh, we are a nonprofit organization that partners with the state and private industry. Mm -hmm. uh, our main focus, so I have our veteran engagement team, and their main focus is to travel to military bases all around the country. Uh, talk face-to-face -face with transitioning military uh, or service members and kind of first explain kind of what Indiana has to offer uh, with like state benefits for veterans, which are separate from federal VA. Uh, we have our Indiana Department of Veteran Affairs uh, that we work closely with to help navigate those benefits. 
Um, and then they also talk about just kind of the landscape of Indiana, uh, you know, why it's a great place to raise a family if you have a young family, the cost of living super low, taxes are super, you know, super low. Um, if you want to live in the southern part of the state, be surrounded by beautiful rolling hills and woods, you can do so. Or if you want to move to the northern part, be close to Chicago. Uh, we sit right there on Lake Michigan. We have the beautiful Indiana dunes. And then you have central Indiana, which, you know, full of museums. You know, we have the Indy 500, you know, basketball, football. You know, we have great sports teams. So there's a lot to do in Indy. And so nice. they, they kind of share that information because, you know, and I've learned with the uh, militaries that when you tell people you're from Indiana, they're like, oh, you're a flyover state. Like, what, what's in Indiana? Like, cornfields. Well, there's a lot in Indiana. Um, so we kind of help, in, you know, give them that information and just how it, how that state, how our state is great for veterans in general, um, especially for retired veterans, because uh, we just passed a bill where they don't tax your retirement. Nice. So y'all do the networking for veterans. Right. So, so then that's the veteran engagement team where, you know, they, help that transition and help the transition better, but we also help veterans who are already in the state who may have been out for 10 years and just want to switch careers. And then there's my side of the house with the employers where we go to employers all over the state, um, explain to them what, what are the benefits of hiring veterans and then kind of help them get on our, our site. We uh, give them a space for basically an entire web page dedicated to their company. So we can allow them to highlight their company in the best possible light and post all of their jobs. And so every veteran who signs up with us, you know, it's free to sign up for companies. It's free to sign up. Uh, you just fill out your basic information as a veteran. Um, once you create that profile, you have access to all the companies within our network and all the jobs that they've posted. Yeah, that, that, that's really important because I think we get a lot of false through, uh, through pop culture. We kind of develop a false stereotype with veterans and how there's a lot of employers who don't hire that sometimes because they think we're crazy or something yeah. like that which i mean to an extent. well there's two there's two issues there's two issues with that too uh like you said the the kind of misrepresentation that hollywood has given what it's like to be a transitioning veteran especially one who's you know seen combat uh you know you're, you're seen as aggressive or um you know unstable and i had a hiring manager actually share a story with me about the person that she replaced replaced who was a hiring manager who didn't hire a veteran because he shared a story um when they asked him like how do you deal with stress in the workplace and then he shared a story because he just came back from afghanistan and was transitioning and he shared a story about him losing a friend and just kind of the stressful environment that they had to work under and he started to get teary-eyed and uh, they didn't want to hire him because they were afraid that he would snap in the middle of the workplace. So um, obviously that person is not in that position anymore. <laughs> they were yeah, replaced, but yeah, there, there's just bad representation. And then the other side of the house is, even if you're a transitioning veteran stationed in Texas, you know, you're an army base in Texas and you want to move to Indiana, but you go to apply for jobs, but they see that your location's in Texas, they don't want to hire you because you're not in Indiana, so they're worried that you're going to try to negotiate for them to move you and pay for the move and stuff like that. So, you know, they just want people that are already living there who can start right away. So our job is to help, you know, A, bridge that gap, create that network for you and help you with that transition and help you come to the state. That's awesome. Super awesome. Uh, <clears throat> that's, and then I'm, 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 I'm super glad to see that there are programs like this, they're very much needed. Uh, a friend of mine, he was uh, in the Marine Corps and everything. And uh, back, you know, uh, in the, you know, mid to, you know, 
2005, 2000, you know, nine, 10 ish area. And he, you know, he was deployed to Afghanistan, loved every minute of it. Loved, he loved the Marine Corps life PT super early in the morning, getting thrashed, you know, loved the sand pit stuff at MCRD and, uh, just love that set schedule. And right. he, uh, got out, uh, for fam, you know, uh, family reasons and, you know, um, had a son coming and everything and decided to take a step back. And it took him, you know, a few years to finally um, find his niche and what he really wanted to do in the civilian life because he was really filling out a place for a little while and was missing that camaraderie and that, that set schedule and that routine. And finally, just now in the past couple of years, he's finally gotten into a point where he's kind of found himself. He's got himself into a good career that he likes. His, his family's starting to flourish and it's great to see, but unfortunately, you know, not everybody gets to that point and it's, it's yeah. very sad and not everybody has a support system to, you know, when they get out of the military, um, to get them through those rough stages of that transition process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we have services, the military has provided services to kind of help you transition, but that transition course is five days. So if you think about it, you know, the, the military is not, it's not just a job. It's, it's, an, it's a completely different lifestyle. And the, Marine, and the, the military in general is really great at, A, preparing you for the military um, before you even join, then breaking you down and building you up to be, you know, great for the military, and then training you for the job that you signed up to do, and then, you know, constantly giving you, you know, college courses, training after training after training every year that you're in. You know, every branch is different. Everyone has a different experience. Every job is different. But collectively, everyone can agree that, you know, you, you get immersed into this culture and this lifestyle, essentially. And then you're surrounded by this huge network and people that are, you know, now extended family. I mean, there, there, are, there are people that you serve with that become closer than your actual family that you grew up with. And, and then all of a sudden you're ready to get out and you want to move on to the next thing. And you're like, oh, here's five days to re-enter the civilian world. Good luck. So th there, there is a gap that needs to be addressed. And, you know, we're just trying to fill that gap. Yeah. That's really cool. That's super... That's, that, that can help depression rates to decrease. That can help suicide rates to decrease. Maybe we can stop with the 22 a day and get it down to 10, like hopefully down to zero. I mean... Yeah, just to let people stuff. know, like, there's still other vets here for you that want to help you out. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, and, and especially imagine, you know, you're, you're a part of this thing that's bigger than yourself, and you, you feel this sense of duty, and you know that even the meaningless things that you're doing is contributing to something bigger. And then you get out, and you're trying to find a job. You're like, well, what can I do to fulfill my time and to find meeting? But then, you know, that's a whole challenge. But then finding the job in general is a challenge of just, you know, your, what, your, what your resume looks like. How is your, what your message is your resume sending? Uh, how are your interviewing skills? You know, any person in the military that's ever gone on a meritorious promotion board, you know, that's your form of interviewing. But you have to walk in there like a robot and only answer questions you know, once someone else has spoken to you first, and that's not how an interview is supposed to go in the civilian world. So, you know, you have, you have veterans going out into their first interview ever outside the military thinking like that's how you conduct yourself. And that hiring manager is probably looking at you like, well, here's this robotic person that has no personality. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's challenging because you know, even for people outside the military, for young college students who are about to find their first job, you know, an interview is supposed to be a conversation because they're not just trying to find someone that's, you know, can fill that position and is qualified for that position, but they want to make sure that you will fit in with the culture of the organization. They want to know that your personality and who you are as a human being is going to fit everyone else around you. So having that two-way conversation, which is what an interview is, and asking questions and, you know, telling them about yourself, like that's part of it. So just sitting there like a robot waiting for someone to ask you a question can send the wrong man, uh, you know, message in an interview. So that, th those are things that we try to help with, especially with resume writing. You know, there's a lot of conflicting information. You see these vo powerful voices on LinkedIn in the veteran space, and you have some telling you how to you know, translate your military titles to civilian titles. But then you have another house of it saying, well, don't do that because it's like, oh, well, you no, you were this and that's what you are. Um, and you, you should highlight that. So there's a lot of conflicting information. So we actually do these webinars where we get our transitioning veterans who are interested in front of actual hiring managers with companies that we work with. And we let them explain to them what they wanna see when they look for a candidate. So they get to hear it directly from the hiring manager. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah. handle everything for them. Like you give them all the resources they require. That's, I honestly didn't know that to the extent of how much resources they did. Yeah. And that's the thing, there's, I mean, there's resources everywhere for veterans. I mean, the, right. the VA tries to keep up with giving you resources. There's people always, all in the veteran space trying to give resources, but the problem is there's so much resource out there and you don't know what's good, what's bad, what's relevant to you. So we just right. try to consolidate all that resource. We work directly with our state partners to make sure that you only have to come to one spot to get the help you need. And if we can't do it, we'll point you in the right direction. Sweet. That, super neat on that. Super, super neat. I didn't, I didn't know y'all went in that much detail on getting them in front of hiring managers and doing like training for that on what they should do. Wow. Yeah, it's helpful. Right. And I, yeah. I wish, I wish I would have, uh, you know, got, well, I didn't need it because it's like, you know, in, you know, Kevin can tell you too, with the TRS course, you know, it is run by the Department of Labor and the DOD, and they do go over your kind of how to navigate your benefits with the VA, which again, they try to make it to where you just go online and you can manage it, but no one really does it. And you still have to find some sort of state representation or organizational representation to help you navigate your VA benefits because it's such a massive bureaucracy and it's so hard to do. Um, and some people are lucky and they can really figure it out and other people are just too busy to figure it out. So they need someone else to help them uh, with that process. Um, and then the other thing, they, they kind of teach you interviewing skills and how to write a resume, but that's a, that's a two day section of it. I, I have the five days, two days, it's just interviewing and resume writing. Um, but it, you know, it, having someone show you an example of a resume and telling you a couple things versus you writing a resume, having someone look over it and then telling you what's wrong with it, then you rewrite it. And then, you know, you, you do that process three or four times of writing and rewriting your resume till it's perfect and showing you how to tailor it to each job that you're applying for. That's a whole other process. And that, you know, that takes more than just a day. Mm -hmm. uh, and I already had secured my job with the White House when I went through that transitioning course. And I didn't find any of it relevant from my experience that I had just gone through with writing a resume and interviewing. So I, it was conflicting for me. Mm. Wow. Well, is there any information you want to give out to the viewers who are watching, like how to get in contact with them vets if they ever need it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you, you know, if you're wherever you are in the world right now, um, whether, you know, if you're about to transition or you're, you know, 
you've transitioned a while ago, um, if you're even remotely interested in, in learning about Indiana and seeing what InVets is all about, check us out on invets.org. That's I-N-Vets.org. Um, check out our website, create a profile if you would like, especially if you want to see what kind of jobs we have available. Uh, and if you want to learn more about the state, and then you can also follow us on social media with uh, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. One thing we do with LinkedIn is we always highlight uh, one company we work with and a job they're posting every week, kind of like a hot job that we want to highlight and show what's out there between the, you know, the health industry, if you want to get into medical practice versus uh, logistics or data science and things like that. Um, definitely follow us on social media. Nice. Hey, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on the podcast. This was very informative. I think a lot of people are going to use this. Yeah, I'm definitely. Sorry. I appreciate so. the time. Yeah, yeah, th th yeah. Well, like Kevin said, thank you again. Uh, that was super informative for me. I I just learned uh, a lot and <laughs> uh, what that does, and uh, I'm excited to get this on uh, all of our social media pages. Um, you know, it goes as far as you know we're willing to push it, and I I want to push this as far as we possibly as far can. As we can, yeah, we're gonna yeah. push it as far as we can. I appreciate yeah. it both. And yeah, everyone listening, follow the NK pod and share <laughs> this video with everyone you know. <laughs> Thank you yes, so sir. much, man. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good one, Brian. Bye. See you guys.